You're listening to Soul Crush, a podcast dedicated to embodied spirituality, sexuality, and stories that soothe and inspire the soul. Each episode will be interviewing and having conversations with different teachers, healers, artists, people who have really taken hold of the wounding that they've experienced in life as a human and have learned how to extract the juice of creativity and um, empowerment that is inside of it. Our wish is that you deeply receive the transmission of each episode welcoming you into a greater alignment with your own soul's purpose and passion. Enjoy the episode and let us know if you have any questions. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Soul Crush. We have one exciting training coming up at the end of September called the Wounded Healer Training, where we explore embodiment and energy healing through the lens of astrology and tantra. It's an eight-week journey into the heart, giving you lots of good downloads on your own intuition and love and ways to really practically apply these things into your life either as a healer or as a teacher if you are you'll get tons of really great insights and um, new teachings and even if you don't consider yourself a healer this is a way of really going deep into self-healing tools and practices that help from everything from anxiety and depression and to just you know, that general sense of intensity that I think we're all feeling these days. So please join us at theloverecovery.com. You can find all the information there on my Instagram at Art of Loving and sending you all so much love and so many blessings. Hello and welcome everybody to our class. Um, I've given it many different names, one of them being the yoga of death and dying, um, death, grief, and uh, grace. And I think those are the two names that we were giving it. Um, I tend to like to give things many names. So uh, welcome to Matthew. Hi, Matt. Hi, Adriana. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We talk so much <laughs> via FaceTime and, and, and all that. It's nice to be able to do this and also have other people listening kind of like in a voyeuristic sort of way yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so we want to encourage anybody that's here live i know many people will be watching the recording so welcome if you're listening or watching this recording um after but if you're here live please feel free to you know type into the chat any questions that you have um you know anything that comes up for you at all around these topics you know i re we matthew and i really wanted to welcome people that were both experiencing some kind of loss right now obviously in this time of the pandemic and so many of us just having death so much more in our awareness but also for those of you that might be teachers or healers or just humans that are you know uncomfortable with death and that want to um, help gain a greater perspective and also learn a little bit on how to support others that are going through grief. 
Um, so yeah, so welcome to all of you, whoever and however you are. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's let's get started by um, just asking Matt a little bit. A lot of you know Matt and I's story, but you know Matt and I have been friends since college. So um, I'm 38 now, and so you know it's been some time. And Matt helped me through a lot of grief when my father passed away when I was 25. And we were, you know, very close and we kind of got closer during that time. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those bonding moments that you have, you know, when you lose something or you're, even when you're going through a breakup or just hard moments, like the people that show up in those moments, you, you really, I don't know, you create this like super strong bond with, I think, you know, so I'm always and forever grateful for that. And just for my own journey of watching Matt go through the process of really awakening to his calling as a death doula and also as a, as a meditation and yoga and spiritual teacher and space holder for people to feel safe and loved enough um, to be in that much uh, compassion and, and connection. So maybe Matt, we can just start there by just sharing a little bit of your story around that calling and, and what, what that calling has brought you um, in your, in your life up until now. Yeah, thank you for the introduction, Edge. Um, yeah, where to start? I, I want to I start by saying that I had, I don't want to say no business, but I had no prior authorization to do any of this kind of work. And I wrote a little bit about this um, that Idrana posted and it, it came pretty suddenly And this stuff. Like I, I want to say this sort of like mystical stuff doesn't happen to me or really most people that I talk to in this kind of like sort of way. You know, sometimes when you look back at it, it seems like that might've been the, the case for, we just maybe didn't notice it so much, but this particular uh, moment when I was staying in the, like right by the Neem Kroli Baba Ashram in New Mexico in Taos. I, uh, I woke up one night in the middle of the night and I just kept repeating death duel and death duel and death duel. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I don't, I don't know what this is. And um, I can't totally say that I'd never read about it before because I, I was reflecting on my time there and I believe uh, a friend of mine, Sonia, had, she had done a, a training, a death duo training. And I think in her Instagram, I just saw the word. So something, something there must've caught my eye, right? Baba always says, don't lie. So I think that when we start telling stories, sometimes the, we really start to embellish the stories to make it sound like this, this great thing. Like I had no idea and I was struck by lightning. And it was kind of like that, but I, I, I read it somewhere. It must have, like, those words must have come across my, uh, my vision. But anyway, I, I, the, next, the next day, it was in the middle of the night, the next day I called up um, my teacher, David Harsha Wagner, and I told him about this thing, and I was really jazzed on it. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you remember a dream, you remember something, and then you go back to sleep and you wake up and you're like, what was that again? I can't remember. And I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I, I talked to him and he kind of molded over and 
he called me back the next day or so. And um, he said, I'm thinking about what you said. And when we go to India in January, it w this was like in the middle of the summer. Because when we go to India in January, uh, after our retreat, I want to take you to the Missionaries of Charity in Kolkata. And you can, you can get some firsthand experience dealing with people who are dying. Because, like I said, I had no training in any of this. You know, like, some people find this sort of work because someone in their life died. Uh, you know, maybe there's, like, a lot of grief over a pet. Um, you know, some you know, sort of things like that will come up. And I didn't have anything like that. I was just doing my own journey around the United States. And I, I thought when, when Harshita told me this, I thought, ugh, <laughs> I don't want to go and do this like Catholic missionary work. I had no connection besides what uh, Harshita and some of my friends would talk about Mother Teresa, but I was still really resistant to that whole thing because I grew up kind of in a cat like like similar to you adriana like kind of in a catholic thing uh, like whatever that means and i was a little resistant to that thing and i didn't want to not that i didn't want to go back to india my plan wasn't to go back to india i'd just been in india so we'll, we'll sort of fast forward that um i didn't really have a choice because at the neem Krali baba ashram i was uh given a ticket to India. <laughs> so long story short, I, I cut my U.S. pilgrimage okay, short. You were, I just want to cut you off that Matt won a raffle. This is like, you know, was, was such a hilarious moment. I just got a text and he was like, I won, I won the raffle. And I like knew he was at the ashram and Neem Karli Baba, that's actually him right there. Um, he was Ram Dass's guru. And so, you know, Matt and I and, and David and, you know, many people that I work with, it's like these, you know, these, these beings, right? Spiritual beings that are, have passed, he's left his body. And so has Ram Dass now, you know, they're, they're kind of like our spiritual family. And, you know, we mm. find ourselves in these different, um, in these ways initiated into these lineages and just like anybody who works with us then also has that you know unseen support with them but it was just hilarious because i just got a text it was like i won the raffle and i'm like isn't he at the ashram like chanting the hanuman chalisa like there's a raffle and then you know it was just hilarious and so i just wanted to note that yeah yeah th thank you that that whole thing was a trip within itself and I mean, I could go on and tell the full story. I just, I don't want to crush our time with, with it. Yeah. Um, so I, I ended up just driving back to California, selling the truck I was traveling in and flew back to New Jersey with the dog. And luckily my mother was uh, in New Jersey. So she got to watch Dracula and for three months while I, while I did my, my pilgrimage in, the, uh, in, in India again. And I had, I had more time because I had just sort of left everything in New Jersey. So I just had a little bit more time. And I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up, but I'd, I'd like to share a couple more pieces to this, this story. The first month I was there, I was, I was going to visit a lot of the ashrams of Maharaji. And the second one I went to was in Kenshidama. It's kind of like the main one that Ram Das and Krishna Das and they all talk about. And I was up there in December. It was freezing. So there was no one else up there. Thank, thank God Adriana was like, I, before I left, 
I said, do you think I need a jacket? And she was like, yeah. So I had this like fleece jacket on it saved my life. I was probably the only uh, Westerner there at the time. Maybe I saw one other one. And there was a, the place I was staying at, um, there was another, uh, he was an Armenian guy. And he had come like after a few days of me being there. And I got off to talking to him. Now, mind you, I hadn't even totally made up my mind yet that I was going to go to the Missionaries of Charity. And uh, he had been traveling for, for a full year all around the U.S., not the U.S., I'm sorry, um, Asia. And I said, yeah, what, tell me like a highlight. What was one of the, the most rewarding things you've, you've done on this trip? And he was like, brother, I don't know how I ended up there but I was at the missionaries of charity in Calcutta and it was like, you know, and this is like a, he was a tech guy. He, he created some, it was like in the tech world, tech medical world. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Spirit is really just like screaming in my face. Like you, like you gotta go, you gotta go and see what it's, what it's all about. And um, yeah, I fast forward to, my last month in India, I ended up spending um, at the Missionaries of Charity, carrying on that the work that uh, Mother Trace has set up. And, you know, we can talk more about that. Um, yeah, I'd love but, to hear just like some of your juicy, like experiences and stories and just, the, you know, the takeaway of like, maybe share a couple things that you like really directly experienced, you know, that, that might yeah. feel like a little juicy and maybe, you know, to, to help us help paint a picture for us about what that training, like what training. And I also just want to side note why like our life is such a training in and of itself. Right. Cause so many mm. people struggle with that. So many people struggle with like, well, I need to do another training before I will. Oh. And it's like, you know, in, um, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, new mad, uh, big magic, you know, she just talks about how like, how much our life is our training, you know? So for you to have this calling and then to go to India and to be in this place where you're caring for, you know, people that are dying. And, you know, I, I want you to share some, a story or two of that um, because I think that relating around these things that we have so much fear about, right? So many of us have such a fear of death. And when you experience the loss of somebody close to you, you actually feel how real that fear is. And then at the same time, you experience how much beauty and how much transcendence and how much love is inside the experience of death, that it's not actually something to be afraid of. But at the same time, we all are human, right? So we have this inherent fear. So I'd love to hear a story about um, your time there. And then also, you know, what, what something that you learned that we could all take in, whether we're experiencing loss ourselves or, you know, how we could really hold space for, for someone else that might be going through that. Yeah. I just want to say one last thing, you know, for me, when I lost my dad, it was like, people really didn't know how to react to it. And you had never experienced somebody close to you dying, but it was this natural thing for you to be able to like, hold this open hearted space, which is part of like who you are. And mm. um, it's so powerful. And it's so beautiful. And it's natural for you. But it's something that some of us really have to learn because I had many people in my life, like not say anything. I remember the job I had at the time, they didn't even call me. And I remember in that moment, just feeling so like, oh, you know, you feel so alone and so vulnerable and so tender. And I just think the more that we could spread some awareness around how we could be with one another in difficulty and in challenging times in that space of non-judgment, which is something that you really can learn, you know, if you set an intention. Mm -hmm. to, so when 
when your father passed away, Adriana, that was, A really intense moment. It was a really hard moment. And in in some ways, when we can reflect on this, it really was like, I mean, for you, you've done so much work around that. And so much of your work is around that healing. And for me now, I'm I'm just getting this right now as I'm talking. For me in that moment to to be able to you know, do the only thing I probably knew how to do was just, you know, be there with you and like make you a grilled cheese sandwich um, was really a really a real gift. And thank you for receiving that grilled cheese sandwich. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had never, like I was saying earlier, I hadn't really experienced a lot of death around me. You know, my grandfather died when I was in high school and it's an interesting thing with grandparents because we expect them to die. Yeah. You know, we, they're, they're old, or usually. So there, there, there is a, a, a more of a finite lifetime to them. And I had one other uh, friend of mine who's, whose father passed away suddenly. I can get into that story um, later, but I want to talk about, you know, fast forward to this time at the Missionary as a Charity um, and, and let me also say, too, that in these moments of, of, of death and grief, there, there isn't like a one-size-fits-all. You know, it, it, everyone deals with grief way different, and everyone uh, processes in a different way, and everyone relates to the person who they're having to hold space with um, in a different way. So a lot, a lot of this training is, is really just like showing up and, and, and being with people in this really open, supportive um, space. You know, we, we say a lot, in, especially if people are coming into this call from a, a yoga background, we say like holding space a lot. Mm -hmm. And there are some some things that we can do as space holders that are a little bit more practical that maybe we can get into later on. Um, but, but really it's a, it's a huge piece of, of sitting with um, the dying and, and the grieving. So I'll, I'll fast forward um, if I can to one of the, the main lessons that I got in um, in Kaliga, which is the first home for the dying and the destitute. And again, to paint a picture, like you were saying, it's India, it's loud, it's hot, it's chaotic, there's all kinds of noise, mm -hmm. and multiply whatever you think by 10. And so th this, this is her first house that she ever opened up, so it's re really small. And they separate the men and the women. And I didn't know that. I didn't really know much going into it. And uh, I always, <laughs> I have a, a, a really strong connection with my grandfather who has passed, but I have a really strong connection with, with grandmothers living. Like I love my grandmother. If anyone knows me, I talk about her all the time. She's, she's such a beautiful person. So I love that grandma energy. And I thought, 
cool. I can go and hang out with the moths, you know, these old, old grandmas. And that wasn't the case because you can only, for the most part, stay on the side of the gender that you associate with. So I was with men. <laughs> so right away, I was like, oh, shit. Um, and there's no, there's no training. It's, it's like death in a certain way. You don't get much training besides like a name badge. Don't do a couple of certain things. And besides that, off you go. So uh, I was with um, Harshida. He was there. And our friend Varsha who is from Pune. And we had a little bit of an introduction and then we get on the bus, go down to Kaligat, and you walk through this amazing, gnarly Indian street with all kinds of stuff happening that you would expect in India. A lot of like people begging there, also a lot of priests trying to get you to go into the main Kali temple there. A lot of pilgrims going to visit that particular temple. So it's full-on India and you get to the corner where you can go into this um, this Kaligat and um, so you do your whole sign in and then you're just like full-on you're fucking in it you know and and you see it right away so you walk in and you might see someone you know who has like a gnarly head wound you you might see someone just like lying on the floor like in really like, you know, kind of bad shape. So I walk up and I, I got an apron on. And one of the things I asked. Apron? <laughs> like an apron, like it was the only protection. <laughs> I saw other people doing it and I was like, okay, fine. It was like a cloth apron that probably, you know, a billion other people had used. And I usually have, like, I found the same one. There was some comfort in finding the same one every day. And it had, like, a little sort of, like, swirly thing on it, like a swirly textured thing on it. <laughs> now, next time I go, I'm going to bring my own. Um, and I had asked the guy uh, who I met in, in Kenshidam, like, what do you do there? And, you know, he kind of gave me a little bit of a, you know, what you can do. And I remember being like freaked out a little bit about washing clothes, like soiled clothes, pee and poop. Why people are so scared of shit and piss. We all shit and piss, right? It's like when, whenever someone's dying, people are always like, but I don't want to clean their shit. <laughs> like I was freaked out. I didn't want to touch anyone's pee or poop. So I was like, do you got to clean? You got to do laundry there? And he was like, brother, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. And I thought to myself, like, good, I don't want clean laundry. You know, that's, that's like uncomfortable for me. That was your like, line. You're like, I'm not going to. That was, my, that was my first line, right? So I walked up the steps, um, got my stuff ready. I walked down the steps and I saw the three bins where they wash the clothes. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I want to like get in here. I want to meet people. And I'm starting to look around and I'm, and, and like the reality sets in, like, you know, there's a lot of people who are really ill there and I'm trying to use all my training. I'm trying to connect with people. I'm trying to look in the eyes and trying to say, like, I love you, you know? <laughs> and meanwhile, there's someone screaming, someone banging a plate, you know, it, there's music on the speakers. It's, you know, there's all kinds of shit happening. And I did a little walk around the, the space just to kind of get an idea of what was happening. And I took a breath and I was like, whew, okay. 
I walked right around and I went right up to the to the uh, bins to wash the clothes. And then my hands went <laughs> washing clothes. The first thing I said, I didn't want to do. And so like so much of this work of, of death is like looking at something that's uncomfortable and then putting yourself in that uncomfortable position. And this, this work can sometimes like really quickly push us up against our growth edge. Like the first thing I didn't want to do was clean laundry. And within 10, 15 minutes of there, you know, it was the only thing that I knew how I can be helpful. Like, you know, washing laundry with my hands. <clears throat> I, I soon, after some time. Um, how long did you spend there? <clears throat> thanks for asking. Uh, I ended up spending about a month there. And my initial was only going to be a week, maybe nine, 10 days. And um, I was unsure, right? And I, I extended it a little bit. And if you remember, Age, I, I, I spoke with you maybe like 10 or 11 days in. It's funny because I was and just thinking about that phone call. I was thinking about how it was such an acute moment that I talked to you where I was like, wow, he's like really in it in a way that like, I don't know what that's like. Like I'm always so like as a yogini and as just like a wild <laughs> woman, I like crave connection with people that have experienced or experienced something that I can't completely like grasp. You know, like there's something mm. so uh, alive inside of that. And I just remember, and you and I know each other so well, you know, so, you know, familiarity sometimes loosen, like it, it loosens that, right. Cause we kind of know each other. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Whoa, he is being fucking transformed right now. Like I could feel that you were just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't even remember what you said you could share, but you know, just that feeling of being brought up against your edge of loving people. Like you were like, I, I don't know how, I don't know if I can, you know, like where it takes us to that place, you know, I mean, love takes us to that place. Yeah. Every, every moment there, there's a potential to be pushed right into your edge. And at this point, when I was talking to you, I, I'd, I'd kind of got my routine down. There was a couple of people there um, that sort of took me under their wing that had, had been there and I'd watch them and I would, you know, care for people. And at this point I was like full on in, you know, I was massaging, rubbing people, sitting with people, um, giving people medicine. You know, I, I was, I was really like sucking the marrow <laughs> out of the experience. And I got to the point where I remember I called you and I knew my time was coming to an end. And I said, I don't know if I should stay here longer or Again, I had been in this maybe for about two weeks, you know, 10, 10 days to two weeks. I don't know if I should stay the rest of my two weeks in, you know, Calcutta, which is just a crazy place to begin with, or if I should take the next few days to do a Vipassana retreat. <laughs> I was like, it'll be like 10 days of silence. I can reflect, you know, and then go from there. And you said to me, I don't remember if you... I don't know if you remember this, but you said, well, just pray, ask God. And I was, you know, and I was like, great, pray, ask God, God, fuck age, you know, like, all I want is an answer. <laughs> and 
I was like, I don't get answers like that. God doesn't just come up to me like a genie lamp thing and say, Matthew, this is what you have to do. So I was like, great, thanks. I appreciate the help. I hung up the phone. Next day, uh, I, th this, is, this is a good story. Um, the next day I went into Kali Yacht. And there's two shifts. There's a morning and an afternoon. And most people only do the, the, the morning. I, I was like, I'll do both most days. So the morning shift comes. I'm doing my thing. And in comes a man that was taken from the street. Um, and he, he was in bad shape. You know, the, the, there were volunteers that found him and they brought him in. And, you know, I was kind of in the, in the room and I was watching this all unfold. And they brought him in. They put him in a bed. And by the time they got the oxygen tank to him, he, he had died. And this was the first time I ever saw someone die. And it was fucking intense, you know, and it was a gift. And I, th I thank that man. I think about him all the time. I had no idea what his name was. I probably couldn't even uh, totally picture his face. It was quick. The nuns, the sisters there, uh, you know, they prayed for him. And oh, quickly after that, it's time to get back to work. So I finished my work for that day and I went for a long walk. You know, I didn't, I just was walking in, in that area. Um, and, you know, it had this feeling. And I, 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 hope, I, I think that maybe some people here can feel that right now. It was real, you know, up until then I was, I was just, you know, the gears were turning and I was loving people and doing the best that I could. Now I had seen someone die in front of me. So I went back <clears throat> that afternoon and started my, my shift. And again, the door came open, another guy. And they moved him into the, the bathroom area where, um, you know, it's India, so it's like a tiled bathroom, shared. And uh, one, of, one of my um, mentors there, um, I'll share his name. His name is Huangi. He's a beautiful man from, from Spain. Um, he looked at me and he says, you know, th they were about to feed the other men. He goes, I, I need help. So I walked into the wet room. And I put gloves on. It was like the only time I ever wore gloves. And this man was, was in really bad condition. And me and uh, three of the men, there, so it was four uh, volunteers, the, the people that were working there were, were nowhere around. And we had to um, cut this man's clothes off because it was so dirty. You know, he had, you know, I, I was scared to wash clothes in the beginning. And this man had defecated many times in his pants. It, it, was, it was gnarly. It was gnarly. Um, we washed him. We, we uh, 
we cut his clothes off, we bathed him, we washed him, and he was in a lot of pain. We, had, we didn't know why. And we got him into a bed. And he lived. <laughs> so it was that night when I went back and I was like, thank you, Adriana, and thank you, thank you, God, for answering. You know, it didn't come in a genie crossing his arms telling me what to do. It came in with that direct experience. So um, the Vipassana retreat never came. <laughs> so I, I, stayed, I stayed there and, and finished out the month. And I avoided one of the sisters there because I never went to renew my, uh, my stay. You get these little cards that tell you how long you stay. But I would have missed the evening session. So I just avoided her <laughs> and stopped showing my card when I walked in. <laughs> I saw her the last day and she was like, you're still here? And I said, I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like I'm glad you shared that story because I think that that was like such a moment of like a pivot moment, you know, where it was like, I remember after that, then you were like, you were different, like you stayed, but then you were like so different inside the experience. It was like some, that level. And I love that you shared, you know, that you got in touch. It, it's so real, right? Like there's something about death, just like birth that's so real and that it satisfies it, it weirdly, especially if you're experiencing loss of somebody close to you, it's like really blows your mind. Cause you can't, I mean, there's, it's a nonsensical thing. Right. And it's experiential, like what you're talking about, which is why like you can go to Vipassana and like be with your own thoughts and like, let yourself lose your mind in that way for 10 days. But it's like being so close to reality also gives us that taste of truth. Right. And that's what so many of us mm. are here to do. And that's, and that taste of truth that comes from being of service and moving beyond these places, you know, as Mary shared in, in here of like moving beyond those places of, um, where we think we could go, what we think we're capable of, you know, mm. it's always right into that other space of, you know, and what Ramdas talks a lot about. Ramdas is one of our teachers and taught so much about grief and death. He was dying for like 20 years because he had a stroke. And then, so it was just like, everybody was like waiting all the time, you know, for him to die. And just like, it became undeniable, you know, like around him, you couldn't deny death because it was just, you know, that's what he, that's what he, that was his path, you know, what the get part of the gift he gave us. Um, and I think it's like, it, it helps, it makes us confront a lot of things. But one thing that he would always talk about is like being a soul. Like, it's like when, when you're with somebody who's dying and I haven't had the experiences you have, Matt, which is why I wanted to share this time with you, but you know, I've had my own, but it's like when you're with someone that's dying, you know, it pulls you, it, it can, right? The opportunity, it becomes like very loud, like fear and love the vibra as vibrations become very loud. And sometimes when something like that really intense happens, there is this like cutting through of all the bullshit, you know, and mm -hmm. you just automatically feel that sense of soul, that sense of eternal light that is within us, you know, that's in that last breath, that's in the first breath, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was because I, something I've noticed, and I, I've never talked to you about this, um, is in death, there's humor. Like anybody who's like in the death world, right? Like anybody who trains death doulas or is just like a teacher of death or even like a real hardcore spiritual teacher, there's always an element of humor to it that like isn't like, you know, if you're, if you're, with somebody who just lost, you know, someone close to them. It's like, you know, the best thing you do is just what Matt said, is just listen, you know, and just, mm. 
you know, loss, when you lose, we lose people we love, we never get over it. You, we, you like, it literally leaves an imprint in you that you never get over, that you learn how to work with, you know, and grief comes in cycles, right? So in some moments, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you're drowning and nearby star is another great bhakti teacher who talks a lot about grief because she lost her daughter. But at one point she said she just learned how to breathe underwater as opposed to stop drowning. You know, and I, mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, when you're in deep grief, that's such a beautiful teaching. You know, you really just actually learn that you can just breathe while you're underwater as opposed to resisting all the feelings and the emotions that, you know, come in these cycles. But the element of like, you know, when you look at birth and death, there's something, and I've been at a birth, I haven't given birth, but it's, you know, there's something very like a trans, translucent and, you know, it thins the veils, both of these experiences, right? But there's something about death that carries this element of humor. Like with birth, there's like this, it does, it thins the veil and there's just like this amazingness. It's like birth, you know, there's just like so much like light, like energy and just, you know, um, like unbelievable, unfathomable, like um, love, you know what I mean? That's just so present that has to be present for that to happen. And in death, you know, I, I think that in my experience, and some of you, if you've ever been to like a funeral or something, you know, it's like there, there's an element of like humor around it or something. And or even when I connect to like my guides or my angels that are, you know, in that are not in this physical reality, right? We're kind of transversing these worlds of the physical, of the material and the physical and the, the spiritual and the unseen. And I think right now during this pandemic, it's so important for us to actually give a lot of, um, give a lot of attention to that, to, to what is unseen, right? And to the support we all have, um, you know, through prayer or ritual or meditation, whatever it may be, or reaching out and talking about these things with one another. But I'm just curious, like, what is your experience with, like, when I connect to angel, you know, even in the most dire moments of my life, it's like, there's an, a, a laugh, a laughing energy that it's just like, doesn't make any sense, but there's just something about, um, you know, that, that deep, deep place of truth that, you know, we are in, we are in these temporary experiences and that there's a part of us that continues on, but we don't know what that'll be like. Um, that is like, it evokes this lightheartedness and this humor. So curious if you yeah. have anything to share about that from your death doula training that you did in, in Maui and, you know, what that felt like. Cause you know, you come together on like a death or a death doula training or a, a retreat on grief and you think it's going to be a fucking bummer, but it's like, not, it's like, it's, mm. so, it's like people have so much joy when they're connected to death, you know, which is part of why I love talking about it. Not because I'm like fearless about death, but because I feel the actual, like the effervescent joy that's alive, the aliveness inside of our willingness to keep death close. I think part of what you're asking is you're, you're even answering. It's this, the fear of death. And let me say too, that I'm scared to die. It, it, like you can sit around and ask people if, if they're ready to die. And I don't know. I'm not, I like this for the most part. You know? Like I have, I enjoy the work that we do. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy downtime. Um, and I, I'm there. That fear is, is there for me. So I'd be lying if I said like, just because I've been around it, that I can go into it, you know, and 
<clears throat> I think part of that is because that fear and that scared part is we're, our, you know, we'll call it the ego, right? Is just so attached to this. It's so scary to think that it might just be gone, you know, because who knows what happens, mm. right? If, if someone was right about knowing what happened, then I think we would all just sign up for it. So, so there's that part of the, that scariness. And I believe, and it's been my experience that people that are closer to death that have done a lot of deep work, like our teacher Ram Das, what a sense of humor he had because he knew right on the other side of that, it's total freedom. So you're almost like laughing at your own ego in a certain way. You're like, you think you're in control. You're trying so hard to control this whole thing. And, ah, you know, his, one of his famous things that he says is death is like taking off a tight boot at the end of a long work day. Oh, God, I couldn't imagine. I hate wearing shoes. Never mind tight boot. You know, and all we do most of the time is just put more stuff on us that just gets us even tighter and tighter and tighter. I don't want to let that go. Right. So then after, you know, that this whole thing is done, what a relief. So there is some humor in this like ego game of it, of it all. And I'll say that um, some of the people that I've, I've had the, the pleasure to train with, man, I want to say all the people that I've ever had the pleasure to train with, especially in death work, have a real beautiful sense of humor. And it's not like a twisted sense of humor. That's the like weird thing that like you would think about. It, it's not like, ooh, death, let me poke it. You know, it, it, it's, I, I, I believe it's seeing that so much and realizing the preciousness of life, but also that sweetness and freedom that comes once we drop this whole thing. Because this is a lot of work. There's a lot of work. And, you know, teachers like Bodhi B, he's out in, in Maui, um, Deanna Cochran. I mean, they're like, I, I love to sit with them because they, they, can, they can have this beautiful, joyous, outward expression of humor and, and also know that in the, in the moment, to, to, to hold space for people. And like you said, when you experience death and, and grief comes in waves, it comes in cycles and everyone deals with it different. Everyone deals with it different, but to be able to, <clears throat> step back from that experience of, the ego wanting to be the, the, the usual, I mean, I like to be in the front, right? Like I, I was a front man in a, in a heavy metal band. I am a yoga teacher. Hey, look at me, do this, do that. I'm going to sing now. So there, there's part of me that, you know, like gets, gets off on it. Right. But in, in these moments we have to, you know, you know, we step back and, 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 we, we, that's such an important part of holding space is to be able to step back and connect with people 
through, through grief and sorrow, not to feel bad, but just because if you have lost someone or something or experienced that, you know what that person's going through to a degree, right? So part, part of the work, especially when, when we're talking with people who have, who have or, or lost someone recently or they're going through grief, um, is that moment where, where, where you can, you know, let yourself step off the stage and, and, you know, not, not let it be all about me. Yeah. And I think it's, that's how it dissolves that sense of separation that our ego does because it, it, you can't, there's, there's always going to, in those moments, right. There's like, you, you form this kind of like collective bond, you know, like I know, like I'll just use myself as an example, but Mirror by Star talks about this too, where it's like, that's why service is so powerful because it kind of, it buffers out. It's like, you might, you might feel like all this fear, or you might feel all this judgment, or you might feel like, oh, I don't know what to say, or all the things that you feel that get so loud in those moments, then also have this opportunity to be kind of like, buffered out and that then we learn how to be with one another in these spaces of vulnerability and unknown which is really really scary for our ego you know but it's also what then dissolves that sense of separation because i know like if i anybody i meet that has a dead dad you know like dead dad club you're like oh great like you know what i mean like not great like (laughs) but like kind of you know you're like oh right like i'm not alone like we're all just like walking around like, love me, love me, love me. But also we're saying like, I, I'm not like, I'm not alone, right? Like I'm not alone, right? I'm not alone, am I? Am I alone? Mm-hmm. I'm not alone, it, right? You know, like that's what helps us. It's not just like get rid of our ego, but it's like when we have these kinds of validating moments that they, they also take us beyond our ego, you know, just like love can do in a certain way. Um, there's just usually more baggage attached to that. So then it kind of does both, you know, um, but it's, it's the same thing, you know, where, where when we have these experiences or even if you really just feel into someone else's experience of loss, it will take you into a deeper experience of your own heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a, that's why we call it like the yoga, you know, because it does dissolve our sense of separation and give us this opportunity to, to open to that, um, you know, and also notice, you know, what's in us that keeps us from doing it. And in that noticing all of that gets loved as well, I think. Hmm. Do you want to talk about heavy metal for a minute? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, Matt and I, we, we, we used to, when we were kids, um, we'd go to metal shows and like, I'd drink like, I don't know, like I would get drunk or, you know, Matt never really got that drunk. He was always like, you know, my designated driver or whatever, but I would always just like smoke a lot of weed and just like get drunk. And then we would go to these shows like uh, the sword or, you know, so many, you know, witchcraft, like so many bands we were really into, but they, you know, had this like deep, like, like metal, like, you know, like anything that felt like that, that's part of why we like India also, because it has like that Shiva energy is like, <laughs> it like vibrates yourselves. Like, yeah, like you can't deny that you're alive when something's like shaking you to the core, you know, we're like other people that's like really 
perturbing. Like it's, it can, it's really triggering, you know, like me, like, and Matt, I feel like, you know, there's something about that level of truth or that level of intensity that actually pulls us into a sense of sense of safety. But anyway, you know, I just think like we would go to shows and we would, I'd be able to like push people. And I just like loved that there was like this physical way, you know, cause I'm such like a somatic physical embodiment teacher, right? That's why now I do what I do. Not that I get to push people. All those, you do that sometimes on retreats. I actually did facilitate that in the last three. I'm like just gently pushing each other. But you know, there's something about that feeling of like contact and, and the feeling of intensity, you know, that like, awakened spirit within us. And I know that you and I are not the only ones, you know, so I'm curious, like what, you know, and obviously like death metal, like people, you know, there is like (laughs) this obsession, not that they're necessarily good at dealing with death, but like there is this kind of like obsession or just like awareness of like, you know, how do I deal with all of this? Like, I don't know how to deal with all of this. This is so overwhelming. I have to like, I have to create, or I have to, you know, that's Mm. the, that's the pull of like why I think confronting death or being with death or opening our minds to it can really push us into those places where it's like, I got to do something, you know what I mean? Or I got to stay with this. Like you experienced a colleague, you know, like I got to, I I have to, you know what I mean? There's like, gives us that urgency, you know? And and it's like, otherwise you do fall into all those tendencies that just perpetuate our suffering, you know, and the door kind of opens, I think. So, you know, I experience that and still do, you know, listening to metal music or just feeling that. And so I'm curious what your experience is being, you know, that you have and you still probably sometimes play music and feel that, 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 that energy, you know? Well, there, like, there's punk rock, hardcore and, and like metal. We'll just kind of chunk metal in there. Like the, the punk rock kid in me was, was the, was the like, F you to authority. It's like, I'm going to like do things the way I want to do things. Uh, the, the hardcore was kind of, again, we'll just kind of, these are, this isn't a music thing. The hardcore for, for me anyway, was more of like a unity thing. Like I, I'm like, it's aggressive for sure. And it's heavy, it's chunky, but it's, it's still like, yeah, we're going to like mosh. And when someone falls down, we're going to pick them up. And then, and then heavy metal is i mean it's heavy metal right it's it's like heavy a lot of times it's dark i mean if anyone likes heavy christian metal i think it's kind of boring but you know my thing with with christian christian music anyway um i'm only half kidding with that but heavy metal is extreme and it's in ways uncomfortable like if if you were like the first thing that you heard like as a kid, like extreme heavy metal, you'd be like, ah, you know, maybe Black Sabbath for some people, it's kind of like, it's, you know, there's a groove to it. But a lot of times it is, it like, it's thick. It's just on top of you. If you're at a show, you're just like with other people with long hair and beards. And usually they're like breathing on you, <sighs> you know, whether whatever kind of breath it is, like, you know, it, so it, it pushes the boundaries it makes you somewhat uncomfortable. And a lot of times there's also that uh, a lot of metal plays with the occult. It plays with symbolism and how much of it, you know, again, is, is a practice or the imagery is cool. Yeah. Right. And, and I think it just, 
one, it, it got me familiar with being uncomfortable. But anytime that anything becomes so uncomfortable, it's the normal, then maybe your uncomfortable thing is gospel music. I don't know. You're like, ah, gospel music. No. Like maybe that's what someone who listens to metal needs to listen to. Right. Which is such a great teaching. Ram Dass talks about it all the time. He's like, when there's something that like makes you be like, ah, you know, ooh, that's what it should be. Ooh, give me that. Like, like this whole conversation of death. Death. Mm. No, I don't want to talk about it. It's like, yeah. ooh, what is that? What's that telling me? Yeah, the ooh, curiosity. Yeah, let me, ooh, that curiosity ooh. and that like how we stop something, right? Like it's, th- it's making me think of two things. Like one of them is like we recently did a, a class on sex and intimacy and we were talking about like staying curious and that's how we kind of keep following the thread of what is one, the unknown on, on like some, some level, but it's also what's infinitely possible, right? And so, you know, when, when you're like, even Matt yesterday was like telling me about something and I was like, ew, you know? And he was like, why, why ew, you know? And, I, and, I, and he was just like, well, you're just stopping. Like you're not not like that's not very compassionate and I was like ew you know and, and that's what happens right it's like when we get uncomfortable we do something to stop it right instead of being like oh like what you're saying and, and you know um I want to sh- read some of these comments and then we'll kind of you know start to wind down a little bit but it's also like when you look into the universe I had this uh I had this experience one time with this woman named Stargazer Lee. And this is helpful because we're talking about like Matrika Shakti, like the energy that's in our words and what we say. And this is so, I think, true for or what we don't say, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and the space in between, you know, which I think is so important when we're talking about death and, and grief and grieving and loss and, uh, and love, which, you know, I think ultimately when I'm receiving love, I, I have to grieve. Like a part of me has to be like, <laughs> like I have to cry to make more space for it. I don't think everyone's like that, but that I know that about myself and I kind of got used to that. But she was saying, when you look into the stars and you're just like, cause she was telling us all these things. She had a laser pointer that went all the way to us, to the stars, like, like actually pointed at stars. I don't even understand how that happened, but that's the point. Right. And pe- we'd be like, we'd be like, whoa, like, whoa. Like, you know, like there's this like feeling of like, uh, like, 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 you know, somebody tells you something, you're like, whoa, like, ew, whoa, you know, like, whoa, it's like a lot, you know, it kind of like dulls the energy. And she like made a, made it a rule where she was like, no one's allowed to say, whoa, like you're only allowed to be like, wow. (laughs) Because when you say, wow, it like keeps going, you know, it doesn't have this like stopping energy to it, you know? obviously mm. is like a silly example, but it also is like, it has this, like we're to what we're talking about, like these vibrational qualities, you know, that things have and like, how do we continue to open ourselves up to them? Um, you know, in, in these light ways, but then also, you know, in these harder moments. So, um, I want to just read a couple things. Somebody was saying the dead dad club, <laughs> are there meetings? <laughs> um, <laughs> know uh since i've been a part of it for 11 years now without honestly recognizing or wanting to recognize it as a central truth of my life totally yeah i mean we could i could obviously you know talk talk a lot more about that with you sometimes so you should reach out um thanks for sharing i'm in this club since a year yeah and it is right it becomes this like mirabai talks about at some point after she lost her daughter she like mystically started tuning into i mean she was devastated it's an it's a it's this book called caravan of no despair which will like rip your heart out but give you such a good taste of like 
the mystical, the mysticism in loss and in grief, because she's such a bhakti, which is like the, the yoga of love and relationship and like relating to the divine, relating to God in, in human form. And so she has such a powerful way of like talking about her experience of losing her daughter and what she, and the connection to service. And what she said was like, at some point she started feeling every mother that had ever lost a child, like just, mm. And she just knew like, oh my God, like this will never be okay. This will never make sense. But I, now I'm here for these people. Now I'm a part of, you know, this connection with, with them, but I'm also here to serve them, you know? And, and that's kind of, you know, how I feel about, you know, the, the situation with my dad and having these 13 years to go through the grief of that and to continue to explore it and, and how it shows up, you know? So and Michelle said something really awesome about like not having a fear of your own death, but the fear of losing those we love, which I think is mm. really a really intense, um, a really intense common, common thing, right? Um, say so, um, and yeah, maybe we can close with this thing about like the, the loving service in the face of like stench, you know, like what, what you were kind of talking about, Matt, of like when we're in the face of something like this, right? Or we're confronted with it. It's like, yeah. it doesn't have this like, ooh, yay, like feeling, right? It just doesn't. It's like, it, it's, it could be completely like, it's life altering, right? So it could be really devastating, you know, to be in that. And so, you know, the, the loving service, which I feel like is part of, I think what I was just sharing a little bit about, you know, what Mirabai talks about of like, how it kind of clicks you into that. And then that's how we... I think that that's part of how we make it through, you know, how we kind of like live, live, live with it, you know, um, not just like moving on, although that happens on some levels, but it's like, yeah, just that, that whole piece of like being in loving service, like even in that moment for you of like being confronted with like those shit filled pants or, you know what I mean? Like someone taking their last breath and like, what is that experience of loving service? Yeah, and I, I, I'd love to add on to that. I know we're sort of wrapping up on time. <clears throat> it, service, when, when we look at it through the eyes of, of yoga, right, or bhakti yoga, <clears throat> a lot of times nowadays, I'm not going to go on this whole high horse thing, but <clears throat> we can... We can reveal a lot through there's a whole psychedelic medicine community, right? Where people are doing all kinds of work with plant medicine and all that. And I think that can be really beneficial for some people, but I'll, I'll also say as, as someone who has had some, not a lot experiences with that to come to someone's side in loving service to hold someone's hand as they're dying, to feed someone who is needing to be loved, to share a space with someone after they have just experienced loss. Any of these, there's, and there's so many more ways we can, um, we can act in, in loving service, man, I'll say that is a trip. If, if you want to, you know, not that this is the name of the game, 
But if, if you want to really experience some psychedelic, you know, hold someone's hands when they're suffering and look in their eyes, like they're the beloved. And that will blast your heart wide open. And for some, some of us that the plant medicine world and all that is, is really what we need to get there. And it's, it's not a knock on any of that stuff, but it's just my little uh, post comment on, on service time and time again, time and time again. Yeah. And yeah, go ahead age. No, I was just going to say, and somebody wrote in the private message, forgive Trump, <laughs> which is like, you know, that's the thing of like, you know, what, like, where is those, those greatest moments of just like, no, you know, where everything in your being is this like, you know, such a no, like we all teach so much about like the yes in your body and like, it's a full body. Yes. I'm going to do it. You know? And, and like, I love that. I teach that too, you know, but there's, there's something so so intensely like annihilating um when when we're when we're open to the places that our our natural um mind goes to really reject you know and that includes parts of ourselves like trump you know if we want to really subscribe to this um essential like experiential um teaching that we are all one you know that you know there's parts of me that live in the shadows Mm -hmm that could easily go there probably, you know, um, I, that wasn't obvious. I don't think that's my karma <laughs> in this lifetime. Um, but you know, and it's, it's a real thing. It's really, it's super intense and super powerful. Like what you were saying to see, see the, see that eternity within all beings that are, you know, playing out their own karmic roles and, and, you know, who, who's to even say that that's not helping to awaken, you know, but it's so like, that's like the Kali energy, right? It's so twisted for your mind. There's no way that you could be like, oh, right. When things are so unfair, unjust. Um, but how do we keep our hearts open and at the same time, you know, make the change or be that change, you know? So, um, Harshita, Harshita once said, I'll, I'll end with this because I have a feeling it's like kind of close by. Um, he once said, if you have hate in your heart, then you need to work on your own heart. Mm. And so again, whatever it is that we're dealing with, with, with the anger and, and sort of wherever, whatever side of the, the fence that you're on, I mean, it's just more fuel to, to work on our own shit. Yeah. And, and it's not easy. That's the other thing. Cause, right. cause other times, easy. yeah. That's cause it's, it's like sometimes, especially if people are calling from this sort of spiritual community aspect, it, that doesn't mean every hit is going to be a home run. Yeah. You know, like we're going to be striking out a lot, but I'd rather be swinging, I'd rather be swinging. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I, I think it's like, it's not easy. And then like, we have this, you know, hopefully our, our paths are helping us to like return back to that space of like infinite love and consciousness. And at the same time, like let the part of it that's going to work on us, you know what I mean? Let, let that also be there. You know, um, somebody mentioned in the comments about dying alone and being able to say goodbye to your loved ones as opposed to not. And so many people are, you know, just 
just sending prayers out to, you know, all the people that right now that are in those experiences and just to all people that are really suffering, you know, inside of losing people right now. And, you know, just want to ask God to really, you know, offer that sense of solace and protection and love for all, all beings, you know, that are, that are either being released from their physical bodies right now, or, or the people that are, you know, here that um, have to live with the loss, which I, I, I sense is harder. I don't, like I said, I'm not super okay with death. That's why I do this, but I kind of have a feeling it's probably a hell of a lot easier than, you know, living with the grief of, of, of when we lose people we love, you know? So it's a, it's an interesting, an interesting thing. And Matt is going to have, um, we have a couple things. Yes. That's scary. Dana saying, yeah. And someone else said God's most distressing, distressing disguise. Yeah. You know, cause that's the thing. It's like, yeah. Anyway, this is, we could go on forever. So we're going to, we're going to wrap it up, but I, you know, I just want to say so much love and gratitude for all of you that were, you know, here and that we're able to like, all of you are really felt in this space, you know, even if we didn't get to share with you, but we do love hearing from people, you know, and we usually um, facilitate and teach Matthew and I both love to like really engage with people. And that's like the main thing that we really love to do. So I know Matthew has, um, some yoga classes that he's teaching online, but he's also going to be doing this thing called the, the death cafe. And I'll let him um, tell you about that a little bit in a moment, but you know, a place where people can come to, to be able to share. And then I have the wounded healer training starting next week, which I know a bunch of you are doing, which will also be that place where you'll really get to like learn and we'll meditate and we'll practice together, which we didn't really have time to do today. Um, really, you know, holding and deepening that vulnerability and, and that space of unknown, but also like you'll get to really share and be a part of a community. So um, thank you, Matt. I love you so much. And uh, so super grateful for you and for all of the risks that I've seen you take in your life. It's been really um, such an honor to walk beside you um, and, and watch you like, I'm going to cry now, you know, like watch you grow. So watch you grow into like so many, so many things that I could have never imagined, you know, that you would become. Well, thank you, Age, and thank, thanks for having me and thanks for being um, such a great cheerleader. I mean, if anyone um, has ever had a chance to work with Age privately or any kind of session, you know that she goes way far beyond most teachers will ever go and has this really beautiful way of, of like being on the sideline for you and really rooting you on and doing it in a way where she's fierce and loving with a sense of humor that like those of our spirit realm carry, they have that sense of humor. So it was really, whether she knows it or not, there feels like there's a channel from, from her. That's um, when you do work with her. And I uh, appreciate everyone on here. Like Adriana said, we will have a, we're still working on the, the details, but a death cafe, we're going to call it holding hands. It'll be online for now. Um, we're going to continue the conversation around death and it will be more of a dialogue for what it is that you're going through. Um, and if you're curious, you come on and share or not share and just you know, be around other people that need to talk about death um, or, or grief. That's not going to be so much of uh, Adriana and I sharing uh, stories. Um, What's your website? Yeah. Uh, 
madhumat.com, M-A-D-H-U-M-A-T-T.com. And if anyone wants to continue these conversations, like let me know how I can support you. And I uh, let, you know, we can, we can talk. Um, we have time. <laughs> I have a lot of time right now. Yeah. So let, let me, let me help support you. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you everyone. We're so, so grateful. And, you know, there's so much more obviously like specific, you know, even practices and, you know, so many things that we, we could share with you around all this. So please reach out and know that you're not alone if you are, you know, receiving this in a very tender space. I mean, it's so tender, you know, the, the longing and the, the power of, of death and, um, and the ways that it affects us. So um, there's, there's so much there. And so sending you lots of warmth and like gentle compassion, you know, for all of the, the tenderness that only we can feel the pain of. And um, there's a lot of power inside of that. So if you're anything like me, you really want someone else to do it for you. <laughs> Every time I feel it, I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. I don't know why I always want someone else to do it. It's such a gift, but it also, it's like, I'm, we're so wired to like, you know, can't someone else feel my pain or, you know, anyway. So, but no, they can't. <laughs> That's the reality. So it also gives us so much, uh, so much more life, you know, every moment of tenderness that you spend with yourself. So hope you all know that. Lots of people are saying, thank you. Thank you. I felt exactly what you were saying, the shift to my heart center since my father died a few weeks ago. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like that, right? It's like, there is this, this portal that now you're changed and mm. now there's assimilation, you know, there's, there's integration for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, and support. And support, right. That's when like, we really learn how to build those muscles of support or we won't make it most of us, you know, I know it sounds dramatic, but it's true. You know, we really, we all need to learn how to be better. I think at receiving support because it's really truly the thing that makes such a difference. It gives us all an opportunity to love more. I mean, don't we all want to just want to love? And the more that we can keep working out the shit that keeps us from being able to receive it, the more satisfied we'll all feel in this weird, <laughs> wild, literal, unknown, you know, human existential weirdness. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Matt. Bye, bye everyone. If everyone wants to just unmute and just say bye, it feels good sometimes to be like, bye, 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 you know, just to like <laughs> use your voice, but you're welcome to unmute, just say bye. And, and we'll just hang out for a moment. Um, and then we'll, we'll close out, but thank you. Thank you. So many blessings. Oh, I don't think I, Oh wait, hold on. Hilarious. I had it on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thank you so much, friends, for joining us on this episode of Soul Crush. 
You can find us on Instagram at Art of Loving. Please send us any questions, insights. You may have inspirations for guests. And feel free to share this podcast with any of your friends and loved ones. We're sending you so much love, respect, and healing energy to your journey and to all that you are becoming.